Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Now I have to say it was with great sadness we heard the news that the body of missing East Cork mother Frankie Devlin was recovered yesterday. May she rest in peace. Her daughter Erin once again uh, joins me. Good morning to you Erin. Hey, good morning. How are you? Ah, listen, deepest, deepest sympathies uh, to to each and every one of the family. How did you hear the news yesterday? Well, um, well, the guards had informed us that they had unfortunately found a body, and that's how we that's how we found out. Okay, and and you knew then, and were you were you together as a family, or did they have? To, yeah, yeah, no, we were. We were all. We were all together when we when we were told the news. And the last few days, uh, Aaron, like nightmare is, is a word that you know you you hear and, and see used. How difficult have the last few days been for you and your family? It's it's been a bit of a blur. Um, it feels like you're in a movie or something, and you're it's like an out of body experience. You're you're there, but you feel like you're not there. It's a good you know, description. It, like, it hasn't it hasn't sunk in. Do you know? It just feels like you're watching it from the outside, but you that is in that situation. Yeah, and we've all watched situations like that unfold on TV. You know, you see press conferences. You, yeah. you never think something like that's going to happen to your family. No, or you wouldn't even think it would happen even so close to home. And you have the extra stress, Erin, in that you're six months pregnant. I am, yeah. I am. Baby's due for January. Oh, wow. It'll be a... It'll be bittersweet, but it's it's a new life and it's a, it's a new start, I suppose. Oh, it is. And I know that if I don't look after this bump, my <laughs> mother would be having strong words and sending some strong signs to me. And, and are, were there other grandchildren? Has she... Yeah, she has. She has, like, she has um, three grandnieces and a grandnephew. All right, okay. So, and, uh, but, but, but was your baby, would your baby have been the first grandchild? No. No, 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 no. no. Oh, yeah, sorry, been, yeah. yeah. No, it was been number but four. Number four. And, number four, yeah. And she was thrilled, no doubt, to hear that her, her lovely daughter was pregnant. 
Oh, she was so excited. Like, every time I'd ring her, it wouldn't be, oh, how are you? It'd be like, oh, how's Bump? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Bump is fine. Your family, Erin, is obviously held in very high esteem in the area, judging by the huge outpouring of help that came forward once the news filtered out that your mother was missing. Oh, my. It's, it's just been... Unreal. It's just like we will never, ever, ever be able to thank people enough. Like a million thank yous will not be enough. You know, like the amount of support and everything we got over the last few days has just been, it's been unreal. Like even the staff in Gary Vaux, like all the local people, everyone. It's just, you know, it's actually given us strength over the last few days. You know, it made... As hard as the days were, you know, it made our hearts a little bit brighter knowing how how loved my mother was. Oh, that's terrific to hear. And it's so wonderful. And you got to see this at first hand, how a community rallies yeah. when someone goes missing. Yeah, it's just, it was just amazing. It was, you know, like that's some things where social media is good. You know, like with all the appeals and stuff, and you had like even gang like just texting, ringing. Do we need anything? Do we need food? It's it was just amazing. And um, as I said, we'll never be able to thank like the guards, the coast guard, all the search team, all the volunteers. Enough. We will be forever grateful to them. Well done, well done. I mean, those search teams just give and and the volunteers that work with those search teams and they're experts uh, in what they do but they just give up of their time and once they hear somebody is missing anywhere in the country these teams are organised they get together and and they go out and they do their best to to bring the loved one home I mean that's you know Yeah they do like some of like the Coast Guard and stuff in all fairness were out like at 20 past one very early Monday morning, Sunday night, early mo- early morning, and some of them did not go home till seven o'clock Monday night. It's unreal. It's unreal. They, they they wouldn't. They just wouldn't go home. We were like, go home and have a rest. You know, there's other gang there, and they were like, no, no, we'll stay. And then local people, when it went up on social media that you were looking for people to join the search team, they turned out in huge numbers. Oh, they, oh, they did. They did. It was like. For real, you know, like just coming down to the area. Now your heart would sink when you'd see like all the Garda vans. Yeah. Your heart would drop. But then when you see all the cars, then like, oh my God, all these people have come down to help us as well. As you say, show, it, well, it shows the high esteem that the family are held in. But I think it's just lovely to hear you say it shows how much your mother was loved. Yeah. Well and truly, because like, she was always, always on the go and she would always walk like from Balnacurra into Middleton. Yeah. So she was, like, everyone would know her. Yeah. Oh, I saw your mother on the bike or your mum was walking or your mum was doing this. So she was a very active woman. Very active. And she used to do like loads of running and everything when she was younger. And she would walk, walk the legs of us when we were younger. Yeah, because I saw in any of the photographs, she was a lovely, you know, slim woman. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah. She certainly didn't carry any excess weight and that's obviously from all the exercise. Oh, she was constantly on the go. So not, not the outcome you wanted, Erin, uh, but 
no, at least some closure? That's it. Look, at least we we have her. We can bring her home. We can have some place to go. And she's she's home. You know, she's with her loved ones up in heaven as well. So that's given us some comfort. You know, like we're lucky we have, under the circumstances, we have a body. We have something. Because that's, you know, that's not the case in all, in all missing the case. people. Like, there's some people out there just missing for years and years. And look, at least we had something. And thank God, she was found quite fast as well. You know, so she wasn't in the elements that yeah. long. Yeah, because that's hard. And, and I'm sure you went through that every night thinking of her somewhere out there. You know, it's yes. just it's to, to bring her home and bring her back in out of the elements. So she, you know, it's just it's very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, it's, it's surreal. As I, I was saying to my friend, like I'd say the reality of the whole situation won't hit us till next week. Because the last few days have just been a blur. And then you get news like this and you're still up in the air. And then you have a funeral to arrange and, and go through. And, there, yeah. and, there, and there's no details. I could see already uh, Aaron, people sending in their sympathies to you and, and, there's, there's, and looking for details on the funeral. I imagine so many people will want to attend, but there's no details yet. No, there's absolutely nothing. No. Nothing yet. OK, and, and we'll, share, we'll, we'll, we'll bring that to listeners when, uh, if that's something that the family want, Aaron, we'll, we'll let people know when the funeral is on, when it has been uh, arranged. Uh, yeah. You you just need to look after yourself, and as as your mum would say, that little bump of yours. Yeah, and just but not so little now. Anymore. Is it not? Is it not? Bless. And you've lots of no. life, I imagine. Lots of kicking at this stage, have you? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Is it your first? Yeah, it's going to be our first. Oh, wow, wow! I know. Listen, it's a blessing, and it'll be. It it's, is. So, it's something to look forward to, and it's it's a new life. It's a, a it new is. life. Yeah. And it, it will help me get through. And it'll give you a, a reason to get out of bed every morning for sure. Yeah, it will. And can I just say again, like, just thanks to everyone, like the guards, the volunteers, Gary Vaux, the locals, everyone. It's something we will never, ever forget. Well, and you've been amazing in... Uh, and, and other family members in reaching out to the to the media and being available to us and we really appreciate that uh, so we think of all of you be kind to yourself and mind yourself is the most important thing and uh, we think of you of your mother your lovely mother Frankie and may she rest in peace yeah thanks very much thanks Erin God bless thank you bye
Clapton on C103 and uh, Tears in Heaven as we remember the late Frankie Devlin. May she rest in peace. And once again, our thanks to uh, her daughter, Erin Cronin, uh, for joining us. 1850 As we welcome you along to uh, Thursday's edition of the programme. John Paul, taking your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us today, we'd love to hear from you. You can text our uh, WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The newspapers today continuing to have uh, lots of discussion pieces about the budget and the fallout for the budget. But but I suppose because it was such a cautious uh, budget, there isn't as much analysis and discussion and debate 
as we have seen in previous years, whether it's a giveaway budget or whether it's a budget where it's taking back from people. But I think when you get this very steady as she goes, cautious budget, which I think everybody accepts is the right way to go with Brexit looming, there isn't that much to talk about. But but there's an interesting article that is written by Regina Doherty. Regina Doherty is, of course, the Minister for Social Protection. And she is writing a piece in the Irish Independent today where she's outlining her reasons as to why she decided to give maximum impact for families and why she wasn't in a position to provide pension increases for all. She's giving the, to those who are living alone, but she hasn't been giving it to all. And I know a lot of pensioners feel very hard done by that they're not even getting their standard fiver a week, which has been the norm over the last number of years. So she writes this piece just outlining why she felt families should get the money over any other group. And she speaks in the piece about how she wants to improve access. One of her main things that she wanted to do was improve access to hot school meals and she says that as a minister with responsibility for supporting children most at risk of poverty she said I see hot meals as one of the most effective and dynamic ways of really making a difference to their welfare she said by increasing the number of schools who can now avail of these meals she said I'm seeking to maintain momentum and to signal that we'll work to incrementally introduce it further until every child that needs one can benefit from a free hot meal at school. So she's bringing in an extra, I think it's a further 35,000 children will benefit from a free hot meal from next September. And you think of children who are living in poverty and nobody, but nobody wants to think of a child going to school hungry and with the winter months ahead, you think, yeah, hot hot meal, isn't that just what children need? You kind of think, yeah, well done to Regina Doherty if there's a need there. And obviously she's working, you know, with the various departments and she sees that there is a need for these children, these vulnerable children who are living in poverty. But then, you know, it got me thinking that when I was growing up in, I was raised by a wonderful, strong woman, uh, my mum, uh, sadly no longer with us, but she was a widow. My dad had died when we were all very young. I mean, there was five of us under seven, I think, when, when my father died. So here was this widow woman in the 70s raising a family of five. So we didn't have a lot of money. But I came home every single day to a hot dinner and it would have been in the day when you had your dinner in the middle of the day. You came home from school at one o'clock and you had your dinner and you ate your dinner you went back to school. But there wasn't one day where we didn't have a hot meal in an era where there wasn't a lot and it was an era I suppose where nobody really had a lot. But we never went to bed hungry. And I, I can't understand and I accept that not, you know, fam- some people can be bad at budgeting and some people are just not able to make ends meet on the amount of money they receive every week. But it really gets to me to think that in an era where you have supermarkets and the big German supermarkets nearly given food away, sometimes the food can be so cheap. You look at some of the, the vegetable prices and you wonder how in God's name did they even them even ship them to get them into the stores at the price that they're selling them uh, at. So, you know, I just, uh, does it go back to that besides people not being able to budget, not being able to manage, does it also go back to basic cooking skills? You know, 
my mother's generation, grandmother's generation, previous generations would have been really good cooks and would have been really good because they wouldn't have had convenience food and they wouldn't have had freezers to reach into and pull out a ready-made uh, dinner or be able to go to the local deli and there'd be a ready-made dinner for them. So they had to cook everything from scratch. And I wonder, I'm wondering, are we losing that art of cooking a basic wholesome dinner and you can do it very cheaply if you do it from scratch and if we could get that through to families that are on low income rather than them wasting their money on ex- very what can be very expensive convenience food do we need to start teaching them the skills to start going back to basics and, and cooking from basics. It's just something that went through my mind because, again, we've discussed it on this programme where this budget has very much pitted two groups of people, families who are raising children against older people who are on a fixed income. And I hate to see, because to me that's, that we get to see a society divided where it's, it's one against the other. We should all be able to, and we do all live in harmony and we shouldn't feel that one section of society is being given an extra handout over another section of uh, society but it just it just struck me when I saw the amount of money that has been spent put into schools it's the the DESH schools which are the socially disadvantaged schools to give children at risk of poverty to give them a hot meal and can I say I'm not in any way saying I don't want these children that are in school hungry having a hot meal I do but do we need to go back and look at the parents and the households that they come out of and ask why are these children going to school uh, hungry? Hungry. Maybe I'm completely off the wall on this one, but it just, uh, as I read Regina Doherty's piece this morning, it just got me thinking. 1850 I would welcome your views on same, please. Uh, also coming up on the programme this morning, the suggestion of double penalty points. This again was something that we mentioned earlier in the week because we had heard that the Garda Commissioner was thinking of introducing double penalty points on weekends where we know we have a lot of road accidents. You think in the main of all of the bank holiday weekends and things around Easter and Christmas. And any time I think when there's extra cars on the road because people are commuting and people are travelling and people are getting out and about, we unfortunately do have a higher number of road deaths on those weekends. And other countries, so it's not just us here in Ireland, it happens in other countries as well. And one country that did something about it was Australia. They also saw that on busy weekends, bank holiday weekends, they noticed an increase in road traffic accidents leading to serious injury and our death. So they decided to do something about it a number of years ago. They introduced this double penalty points. So the idea is that if you get normally, if you get five penalty points for whatever offence it was, if that offence happens on a bank holiday weekend, you get 10 penalty points instead. Now also in Australia, they double the fines. The fines can be doubled and tripled on a bank holiday weekend. So our guard, the commissioner, is saying, do we need to look at that? Do we need to sort of say penalty points... They're working in this country and they certainly, when they were first introduced, there was a marked decrease in the number of accidents on the road. So as we all get a bit more complacent as time goes on. So do we need to shake up the system again and do we need to look at if you get caught and it is a bank holiday weekend and you'll be well warned, it's not like something will be sprung on you, you'll be well warned. uh, Is it the route that we would like to see happen in this country. Now in a couple of minutes I'm going to be speaking with Kerry Doll Deputy Michael Healy Ray. He is very much against the proposal. He ain't a happy camper uh, when he heard it. Now Sandy was on to us when we mentioned it earlier in the week to say if the penalty points doubled for the for the bank holiday weekends, would that mean 
that you would have no checks during the week because surely the Gardaí would need to pay for the overtime in road traffic police on the weekends of the bank holidays. If present laws were enforced and Gardaí were to be seen even with the present laws as they are, as out and about on the beat. When Gay Byrne became chair of the Road Safety Authority years ago when deaths and accidents nosed dived on the introduction of penalty points for a six month period. This suggest I see this suggestion as just another short term gimmick that will fade into history like all the latest new laws of years gone by says uh, Sandy who is feeling a little bit cynical about it all but your thoughts on double penalty points please Uh, also at about 20 past 11 we are going to speak with a doctor who will be giving us advice on Lyme's disease and we tried to do this earlier in the week but unfortunately our doctor that we had selected got called away to a medical emergency so fingers crossed there'll be no medical emergencies today and uh, we'll be able to have a chat on Lyme's disease because there's been a tenfold increase in the incidence of Lyme disease uh, in Cork and Kerry. Now that's a huge number. What do we need to be looking out for? What is Lyme's disease? How does it affect you? And if God forbid you do end up with Lyme's disease, what are the possible cures and the long-term implication of a Lyme disease? A member from Garda Siakona will join us for this week's Crime File. And then in the final hour of the programme, uh, we will have Jane Pickett uh, join us from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. She will be joining us answering all of your pet questions. So if you have a pet question, get it in to us, please, throughout the morning and we will uh, put... um, it to Jane when she joins us in the final hour. So keep those coming uh, throughout the morning. Now, some people responding to my suggestion. Is it just me or or why do so many children, vulnerable children, go to school hungry? Why are so many children in need of a hot dinner to the point that the Minister for Social Protection has decided I need to put more money in to providing hot dinners for children? That's We've got to give more there than to give to other sections of society because too many children are in school hungry. And I'm making the point, why Why is this happening? What's wrong? Are parents not able to manage on the money that they have? Are, can we not go back to basics? Can we not go back to scratch? You know, and cook things, cook wholesome meals that at least, and I know, I know I'm waiting, I know there's probably people shaking their head going, especially you don't have a clue with fussy eating children and not, none of mine would eat porridge for a year or none of mine would, yeah, would, would want a wholesome meal. They want the convenience food, but the convenience foods are just so uh, expensive. And I was talking about my own mother and how she always managed to have it. She wouldn't have been the greatest cook under the sun. And she wouldn't mind me saying that, but she wouldn't have been the greatest cook. But we had lovely meals. At the end, at the end of the day, we did have lovely meals. Uh, Audrey uh, says, why don't they make, for example, a big pot of stew? You can make a big pot of stew quite cheaply and certainly no one will be hungry after sitting down to a big pot of stew. And can I suggest some flowery spuds on the side? And uh, Michael says, Patricia, your mother's generation of mothers were capable of making dinners out of nothing. They were cooks of the highest calibre. And you know, they were, and I'm probably wronging her when I said she wasn't the greatest cook in the sun, because thinking back on some of the meals she produced out of nothing, <laughs> you are right. And uh, Michael says they were outstanding mothers. And that's not taking away from mothers today but it's just I can't understand how people go hungry when you see food on sale so cheap sometimes you think too cheap This is the Court Today replay on C103
Jaren Bandon was on to say she was listening to Aaron Cronin talking about her late mother and the fact that the family getting some kind of closure at least and they have a body now um, and they can bury after the post-mortem and all of that and they will have a grave that they will be able to uh, go to. It's just so sad. Uh, Jaren Bandon uh, says thinking of that family so much we will be praying for her and all of the family and offering masses for her late mother. And can I just on the topic of and thank you by the way Jar, for that just on the topic of people keeping Frankie Devlin's family in your thoughts. Thank you to Dee in Goline. And I also, I meant to mention this at the top of the programme, but I was very conscious of Erin and talking with Erin on the loss of her mother. Um, Dee says, would to ask the listeners, and I'm only too happy to do this, uh, thoughts and prayers for the local family in West Cork whose son is missing in, in Dunmanus, Spain. I know it's our main news story at the moment and I know crews are out uh, looking and what that family going through at the moment it's just dreadful so yes we will keep very much keep that keep that family in our thoughts and uh, prayers and if you're uh, like me and a big fan of lighting the candles if you'd uh, light a candle for that family please Jer in Mallow doesn't agree oh this is on the penalty points uh, good morning to you Jer uh, sorry Jer in Mallow is here good morning Jer hi Patricia hi. how are you girl I'm, 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 I'm very good you're on to us the idea and suggestion that's coming from the Garda Commissioner, he's considering imposing double penalty points for motorists who will be caught speeding on bank holiday weekends. You're well, ag- against uh, that, it. That doesn't surprise me. Um, right, let's talk about law. Um, they, they, they're fantastic at coming out with these suggestion, the suggestions and laws, right? However, you have two fundamental factors here. Number one, the penalty point system we have is nothing like it is in England. In England, right, the penalty point system is supposed to be safety base. It's supposed to be for road safety, nothing else. You have a government here that, that is using it to profit here. That's what they're using it for. Not only that, they're helping the insurance companies to profit as well by uh, having a, a maximum time frame on penalty points that should only be on a licence for six months to start with. Like, the, the penalty point system in this country is nearly as bad as having an endorsement. Like, I mean, with the penalty points we have, why do we even have endorsements? That's a good point. And I, and I clearly remember when penalty points were introduced, we were told it would not affect your insurance premiums. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you have a scenario here where you have a scenario here where if you get pulled, we'll say, we'll say within your speed limits and things, right? And we'll say, for example, um, not belting up or somebody in your car not belting up or whatever, like, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and then we'll say you have something like... Um, like we'll say no road tax. Now, there are scenarios where people are going into court and they're having points applied to their licence for having no road tax. The very simple reality there is having no road tax never killed anyone. And when you go to tax your car, you have the option of back taxing your car, which actually means that if the government was to change that piece of legislation and force it and automatically include back taxing in any taxation of a vehicle, then it would remove... The, the need for actually prosecuting people for having no road tax in the first place. Now, that's just a way of making a point. The second point that I'd make is um, another clear float of the law would be where the guardie decide to go out and confiscate people's cars for having no road tax. Again, if anybody is familiar with EU law, EU law very clearly states that your car cannot be taken from you for having no road tax. So what you very clearly have is a guard force that even though they know 
the Irish law and they know the European law, they'll go out and they'll break the European law to take your car. And are many cars impounded for not having road tax? I thought you were just I fined. Would, I would imagine so. No, I mean like... Look, I know, you know, I know I, they're impounding cars from learner drivers. If a learner driver is stopped and doesn't have a fully qualified driver with them, they're certainly impounding cars on that there one. Has been, there, there has been instances of... of, of like, I have, I have spoken to personal friends of mine, like, you know what I mean, that, that have been pulled for having no time, and ha- have actually... Like, I've had a few of them had their cars taken, but I've also had one or two that knew the law. And yeah, but back, but on, but on the penalty, but on the penalty points, um, the the model that they're pointing to is the one in Australia because it's Australia a number of years ago introduced. But, 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 it's, but it's I not, have to say, in Australia, it is all about road safety because it's it's you know you only get penalty points for for dangerous driving for things like oh, 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 drink and okay, drug okay, driving, so. um, but you you don't get penalty points for for offences like that you're talking about. You know something oh, wrong with oh, your car. Oh, yes, absolutely. But the other side of it is, why, and I mean this now, like, you know, wholeheartedly, like, why, just because it's a different day of the week, should that entitle somebody to put double points for an offence on your life? Like, I mean, that's nuts. The suggestion of it is even nuts. Like, you know what I mean? Well, we know on a bank holiday weekend, there are always more road deaths. Every single bank holiday weekend, I say to people, please stay safe on our roads. I don't want to be coming back on Tuesday morning talking about how many people have died on our roads. Inevitably, I will be back on the Tuesday morning. That makes it about circumstance and not about the actual driving itself. Like, it has to come down to road safety and what's actually attached to driving. I mean, what constitutes an offence, what doesn't? At the end of the day, right, when, when the penalty point system was introduced, as you say yourself, we were guaranteed that we were going to have no, uh, no, it wouldn't uh, affect our insurance premiums. Yes, yeah. Yes. And and the problem in this country is that it is. Now, the second side of it is that feeds into uninsured drivers in a huge, huge way. So you can't have a scenario where they're saying, well, we want safer roads and we're going to have double points on licence. Whereas in actual fact, that puts more people off the roads and actually puts more offenders back on the roads. Like, it's a vicious circle. Mm. I tell you what annoy I tell you what annoys me and I, I saw it yesterday. I had to go to a meeting in the city yesterday, so I was travelling from North Cork up on the Mallard Cork Road and the ghost safe van or whatever they're called, the speeding van, parked just beyond the, the climbing lane and if and uh, on the overtaking lane. So if you're overtaking someone, of course you're building up speed to Absolutely. overtake. You might Absolutely. just be Okay, it's 100 kilometres. But if you're overtaking, you might go to 105, 107. You'd get done for speeding, which fined and penalty points. And as you say, the knock-on is your insurance goes up. Well, I'm going to tell you a good one now, Patricia. Um, Like, there's lots of offences that, like, you will be done for. Ultimately, right, the story is with those vans in a guard, okay? When you go into court, any, like most judges, right, just because the guard goes in there and the guard is the guard and they're wearing the uniform, they're, like, they're word automatically, like, it carries serious weight compared to yours, you know? Mm. So you, you, you have two problems here, right? The problem is, number one, the speed bends. Like, they're not being utilised at all. Like, they're out there catching cars that are doing six miles over the limit coming up coming up a 60-mile-an-hour stretch of road. They can be yes, fishing in a barrel. Yes, yes, yes. Whereas, if that same computer system was hooked up to the national database... They could be catching drivers for no insurance. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's completely retarded. They have millions and millions and millions of euros of the, of the state's money pumped up in these resources that, that are essentially, like, just feeding the status quo. Okay. And I mean, the t- and the thing about it is that 
they'll come out and they'll state all these things, well, you know, this is going to make it safer. Are they actually making the roads safer? Well, well, they, well, they are. I mean, there, there are year on year. There's less people being killed in our roads. I mean, they're, they're the own. That's the only comparison we can use. Since penalty points were introduced, there have been less people killed on our roads. We we know that for a fact. Well, the other side of it here now as well is. But how much uh, money has been generated is is, oh, is an interesting one. Billions. Yeah. Billions. I'll see and if I can get a figure on that. Like we have a responsibility for our use as well. Like I mean, the mechanisms that we should have here is. I feel myself driving, like driving, nearly everybody does it. it. It's nearly a requirement at this stage. Why is it not done in school? Like, I mean, in all fairness, right, you, you get your education in school, you do it, you don't do it over two months or three months, you do it over, you know, each school is five years or six years, you know what I mean? And you learn everything you're going to learn, you learn it comprehensively. There are countries that, when you leave school, they require you to go and actually sit. You come out you with know, a driving licence, yeah. Yeah, 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 you're not the first to suggest that, it's a, it's, it's a good suggestion. Okay, listen, Joe, I've got to leave it there, thank you for that, and I can see a lot of people, I can see a lot of people are agreeing with Joe that it is not about road safety, and yet at the end of the day penalty points were introduced in this country to make our roads safer but many people are getting suspicious it's not to do with safety it's to do with making money I'll see if I can get I don't know if I've ever seen figures do they give out annual figures as to how much money was raised by penalty points each year I'll see if I can get a figure on that it would be interesting to see how much is it over a year and then a breakdown county by county wouldn't it be interesting to see Who's getting caught? Who are the ones doing the dangerous driving? If it is dangerous driving, but who are the ones picking up uh, the most penalty points? Uh, Eddie and Ovens says, I've said it before and I'll say it again. What England do, Ireland will follow. The Garda Commissioner is ex-RUC, which is English, and Australia is run by Eng- England. Well, jeez, Australians wouldn't like to hear you say they're run by England, but they're part of the Commonwealth. Um, that's from Eddie in uh, Ovens, uh, because the double penalty points is, is not an operation in the United Kingdom. It is uh, in operation in in Australia and Australians say that it has made their roads safer even though I have heard Australians give out about it and say that it's a money making racket as well because the fines are much higher in Australia than they are uh, here. 1850 I want to give you a piece of advice please be very careful on this. There is a scam that our attention has been drawn to and it is a TV licence scam email that is targeting Ireland. It comes from an address in Brazil and it's an email pretending to be a reminder from Ampost telling people they need to renew their TV licence and it, this is the wording of the email. It says, Dear Customer, we hope you enjoy your TV licence. Now that straight away should raise alarm bells for people because <laughs> nobody enjoys their TV licence. The TV licence is something we have to pay. Many people hate paying it, give out about paying it. Some people avoid paying it. But the majority of us, I won't say willingly pay it, but we do pay it. Anyway, so it says, we hope you enjoy your TV licence. We would like to remind you that your annual subscription expires in six days. We'd love to keep you as a customer and there is still time to complete your subscription. Simply click on the link to renew your subscription. If you have any questions or feedback, contact our and you click on support service to learn more. And then it's kind regards customer department. Now, if you click on the link that they're asking you to, the link then takes you to a what's called phishing 
page hosted by a US-based website, even though the initial email came out of Brazil. They then ask you the usual. They want your credit card or debit card payment and they look for all the details, the expiry date and the CCV number on the back and the name on the card, blah, blah, blah. And it makes it look, look like you're entering your payment details. We'll take the money, the €160, Euro, isn't it, for a TV licence and you're, and you're fine and this will be a quick and an easy way for you to pay your, your television licence. It is a scam. And then I noticed here at the reception of the radio station, the TV licence renewal letter is in for payment for our TV licence here at the radio uh, station. So I was just having a look down through it because I paid my TV licence. My TV licence is due in September. So I would, they normally send them out at the beginning of the month and you have the month then to pay it. So I knew I, I paid mine last month, but I, so I, I didn't have the renewal notice to hand because I wanted to see, is there anywhere on the renewal notice that states that you can opt to have your renewal sent out by email and there isn't. I mean, you can there you can pay online at tvlicense.ie. Obviously, we encourage people to go into your post office because it's a way of, particularly the local post office, pay your TV licence there. You can also do it by direct debit and there's a local number. I mean, they give you loads of ways of doing it. But there is no option on it to say, in you know, the usual, if you don't tick this box, we are going to send out your renewal by email. So on post, the fact that they collect the TV licence, I, I assume they're going to use their own service in that they're going to use their own postmen and women. So I think you will only ever get, as long as on post is involved, you'll only ever get a TV licence renewal by post. Now, if somebody can tell me differently, have you ever received a TV licence, an actual legit one from on post? Have you ever received it by email? Because I, I certainly have never. And I asked, just asking around the office here, everybody else says, no, got it in the post, got it in the post. Uh, and I think it's because it's on post sends it out. They are, of course, going to do it by post. But be careful because that's a new TV licence scam and it will be, I think, particularly relevant as we go into the back end of of this month because you get your renewal notice at the start of the month and you have to pay it. It always expires at the end of the month. So, you know, by putting that line in, you have in six days your licence expires this at the end of the month coming towards the end of the month this might actually catch people out and people are leaving busy lives and more and more companies and businesses are going paperless and I know there's an environmental reason for going uh, paperless but obviously there's a saving a cost saving to the companies not to be sending out renewal notices and bills in the post. So more and more of our bills are now going online. I mean, there was a time when the only post you got was bill, bills. There's now a time when it's almost a surprise if a letter pops, comes in through the, the letterbox because, as I say, more and more companies. And I'm always trying to find that, tick that box to say, no, I don't want my renewal online because I'm always afraid that you'll miss it. You know, that something will happen, you'll get busy, you might check your emails, you might delete an email. Whereas if you physically have a piece of paper in front of you, you actually have the bill. I'm old fashioned in that regard. And I know that isn't the best for the environment. But then my answer to that is I will make sure that I will recycle the piece of paper that the bill came in on. But anyway, I digress. Keep a lookout, though, for that. It's a TV licence scam. And please speak to older family members and friends uh, who have access to the internet and who have access to their email that they might get it and they might just click on this and it looks 
above board and all of that. And certainly when you click to the US-based website, the phishing page, which take all your details, that looks like it's just as please enter your payment details and you really do think you're just paying for your TV licence. But of course, you won't end up paying for your TV licence. And on top of that, you could end up with a lot of money being taken out of your bank account. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Nick Richards. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. I'm at the finish line of the Women's Mini Marathon with Rita. How was it for you? It was great, yeah. It was great, yeah. I amazed myself. I'm quicker than I actually thought I would do. So you'll be back next year to do it again? I will, and I bring my daughter and more friends as well. Yeah. You'll be even faster next year? Even faster, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> What's the plan for the rest of the afternoon? Actually go home and uh, get lunches ready for school. <laughs> you never stop being a mum, do you? No, never. No, that's Weekday it. afternoons from 1. C103. When I was talking about children going to school hungry, and I can't understand how parents can, you know, not cook from scratch, and you know food it's probably never cheaper than it was at the moment and can we not go back to basics and learn how to cook you know is that what we need to do do we need to start teaching parents how to cook wholesome meals for children so they don't end up in school uh, hungry and that they do come home to a hot meal Uh, Mary says Patricia on the issue of school dinners and now we're in a situation that the government's got to plough more money into providing hot school dinners for these vulnerable children which by the way again I'm not taking away from those children if they need to be fed then we need to to feed them Mary says I cannot believe the amount of children that go in to the local centre shop in my town every day for rolls. They're spending at least €10 every day buying rolls, either a breakfast roll in the morning and then getting a roll at lunchtime. Why can those rolls not be made at home? I'm also sure that there's a canteen in the local school. And Mary said, I'm not just talking about one day. This is an isolated incident. This is happening every day. Have other people noticed that? The amount of children who go to a local deli or a local centre shop or a local chipper if there's a chipper nearby and the amount of children that are buying their lunch and surely that is a waste of money we'd be much more cost effective if uh, mam or dad are if they're teenagers they made themselves some lunch themselves OK 1850 I need to take a break we've news at 11 on the way we'll go through your calls and comments that are coming in hot and heavy to the programme this morning and we'll also discuss Lyme's disease in the next hour You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed I had an email in my apologies I didn't get around to this yesterday from uh, Jane who said um, Hi Patricia I went to our local cinema on Tuesday night for an opera which was streamed live from Covent Garden in London it was simply fabulous but there was only nine of us inside in the cinema what a shame there is a programme for the coming year of more opera and ballet that gets streamed live into various cinemas around the world people do not seem to know about it I know that many more people would really have enjoyed it my fear is that if they don't get the numbers for the various showings then it won't be viable to have it in Mallow in the future all of the ladies that were there on Tuesday night well some of them were too old to drive to Cork so if it wasn't in Mallow they would have missed out I think there are many of you listeners out there who should be made aware of this wonderful opportunity which is on your doorstep Uh, and that's from Jane Uh, thank you Jane actually I, I was at the cinema at the weekend and I went along to see Downton Abbey and I actually saw 
they, you know, ran trailers as they do before the movie. And I saw a trailer for this opera from Covent Garden. I just didn't realise that it was going to be on so soon because I said, oh, that looks like a wonderful, wonderful uh, night out. And now I've never been, but my niece was with me and she said that she went along when she was living in England. They went along to see the Nutcracker at Christmas in her local cinema in Devon and it was being streamed live sure did she say it was being streamed live was it the Bolshoi Ballet in Moscow and it was being streamed all over the world and she said it was just you felt like you were actually in at the Bolshoi watching the ballet and I imagine for those that were in the cinema on Tuesday night in Mallow you you know while you're watching this gorgeous fantastic opera you could almost feel that you were in a Covent Garden so keep a look at it I didn't realise this is a full programme of events so just to let people know check in with your local cinema to find out I don't know how well advertised do the cinemas do they advertise it locally to let people know that they are on but it is a way for people to get to see really high class opera and ballet and you get to see it in your own an own doorstep by going along and watch it. And it's been streamed live in, in real time. So what you're seeing is exactly what the people are seeing who have paid huge sums of money to go to watch it in Covent Garden. So keep a look out for that. Thank you for that, Jane. And I certainly am glad uh, to give it a mention. Talking of mentions, I want to wish the best of luck to a coffee morning which has just kicked off at 11 this morning at the Aurora Charity Shop on St. Joseph's Road in uh, Mallow. The Aurora Charity Shop are just doing the most incredible work and they accept donations of furniture and then they upcycle it and sell it on. So it's, it's a furniture store there's a vintage clothing section uh, in there and of course it's, it's, it is support to people living with mental health in the community. It's a terrific, terrific uh, shop and today is World Mental Health Day so the good people at Aurora Charity Shop weren't letting a day like today go so they're holding a coffee morning so it's an opportunity for people as well if you're out and about in Mallow this morning to pop in and if you haven't been into the shop before to see what they have on sale you might bag yourself a bargain at the same time. So that's on until one o'clock this morning if you're in Mallow on St Joseph's Road at the Aurora Charity Shop. And I'm also told that there's another coffee morning going on on behalf of the National Council for the Blind at their charity shop and that's in Broad Street in Charleville and that's on from now until two o'clock this afternoon. So for the good people of Charleville why not pop in there and have a cup of coffee and talking of emails to the programme having just read out Jane's one there I had an email in saying I know it's a long shot but I thought I'd ask for your help please my neighbour's cat is missing since Monday morning from the Castle Court Island Road Newmarket area the cat is a spayed black and white female incredibly friendly and is described as a super nosy cat she adores children she knows no fear as she was hand reared from one week old her owner is distraught oh god if you hand reared a cat from that age you've got an incredible bond so I can imagine the pain and the suffering that the person's going through trying to find her cat Uh, this Anne says we just want her home and I really hope you could give a shout out to your listeners to keep a lookout please in the Newmarket area for a black and white cat and we have Anne's contact details if anyone in the Newmarket area can help us with that one. Let me take a look at your calls coming into the programme today. On children going hungry today and, and my point that I've just I can't fully understand why children are going hungry. Mary in Bantry says in the 80s 
I had five children to raise and at one period of time my husband was out of work which was for about a six month period. So that was a tricky and difficult time and in the 60s, or sorry, in the 80s, um, that was hard because they, oh, they, they, we were going through a recession as well and prices were very high. Anyway, Mary said, so husband out of work in the 80s, raising the five children. And she said, I can honestly say, hand on heart, we never went hungry. And this was an era where you had to go to your local family friendly butcher shop and you were paying top price for meat. The offers that are now on at discount stores etc they weren't around uh, in the 80s so Mary's agreeing with me she cannot understand how any families are going hungry and why children are turning up to school hungry and why we need this we need the government to intervene in order to help out these vulnerable children so that they're not uh, hungry thank you for that Mary on penalty points Michael in Mallow says there there is no point going on about penalty points. It's got nothing to do with road safety. So obviously you were agreeing with Ger, who joined us in the last hour. Why is it if the Road Safety Authority are so concerned about safety on their roads, why in a country where we get a lot of rain, so we're going to have a lot of wet conditions, why is there no side flaps on buses and trucks when cars are passing out, etc.? The Road Safety Authority cannot come on about road safety unless they fix our road network first. That's what they need to do. Actually, somebody, the minute I started mentioning penalty points, somebody said, fix this, fix the roads first, fix the potholes, fix the briars. Penalty points are always used to blame and beat the motorist down. Um, dry. There's a lot of accidents happening on our roads and it's to do with the condition of our roads. Fix the roads first please, says a texter when it comes to penalty points. And John Paul says so many people were agreeing with Jur, who was our common caller in the last hour, who was saying penalty points, nothing to do with road safety. Jur reckons it's all to do with a grab for money and nothing else. Eddie and Mahan said we are penalised twice with these penalty points. First of all, you get the penalty you get the penalty points, you get a fine and then your car insurance goes up uh, goes up as well because of your penalty points. So you're getting done twice. It is all so wrong. Eddie says, thankfully, I don't drink and I haven't got any penalty points. But Michael in Kildare is picking up Jer on his points about, you know, very much against people picking up getting penalty points if you're just over, for example, if you're just over the limit of for speeding, for example, or if you've got a defective car or you don't have your car tax, you shouldn't be getting penalty points for any of those things. Michael says, if Jerry's so worried um, about penalty points, if you drive safely every day, then you've nothing to worry about. You don't need to worry about double penalty points on a bank holiday weekend because if you're driving safely and your car is up to scratch and you do have your road tax paid and you do have your insurance uh, paid, then you can be cruising along. Don't have to worry. They can have all of the penalty points in the world that they like. They can increase the amount of penalty points. But if you are a good, safe driver, you have nothing at all to worry about. And then Dennis, thank you for that. Dennis sends in a very uh, good text. Say, Patricia, Watergrass Hill have one of those digital speed indicator signs. And I didn't realise this, but those, you know, the indicator speeds that tell you slow down. Thank you. You're within the speed limit. No, you're not within the speed limit. I didn't realise they record all of the information so here we go. This is from Watergrass Hill for last month. 326,732 vehicles passed through that stretch of road. Goodness me, is Watergrass Hill a busy spot? Anyway, out of that. 46, 
2,049 cars were over the 50 kilometre limit. Now, Dennis has a theory. If those cameras were set up properly, well not properly, but if they were they're set up to tell you what speed you're doing. But Dennis says if they were set up to catch people who were speeding, that would mean 3.6 million euro would have been generated last month just from that one stretch of road for the 46,000 odd people who broke the 50 kilometre zone going through Watergrass Hill. So Dennis says if the government want some of this money, it could be diverted to the local community and this would be a more practical step than the notion and the suggestion of double penalty points on bank uh, bank holidays. And Dennis said he got the information, the figures, by the way, from the Watergrass Hill Community Association Facebook page. Well, you've just, that's a new one on me. I did not know that they actually log yeah, and of course the technology is there to do it because you're driving through and it will tell you and I, I like those digital speed indicators. I know some people say they make no difference at all. I think they do. When I see them in the distance I make a point of making sure that I'm driving through and I love the ones that say thank you so you know that you're under the limit and, and then show it to you and it drives me nuts if I'm going through and it starts flashing red because and I would never be very far over a 50 kilometre but you know it might be 51, 52 and it drives me nuts if I because I, I feel I'm after getting caught out but I'm one of those people that don't like breaking rules but anyway uh, so I do think they're a great idea but I did not realise that they actually clock up the number of vehicles that pass through the stretch of road and then they give you the breakdown of how many people. So 46,000 people out of 326,737 cars. So the vast majority of people, which is good to see, did keep within the 50 kilometre zone. But could you imagine if it was some way linked to a fine system whereby if you go through the digital speed indicator, they'll take your car registration number and your fine will be in the post. Thank you very much. If they want to generate money, they certainly would generate a lot doing that for sure. 1850-333-103. Thank you, Dennis, for that. Michael Martin in for Moy. This is on the budget. Did we really expect the budget to be a good one? Says Martin, raising that question today. Whatever people are in charge of ruining, oh sorry, I mean running our country, will always let us down, says Martin. We would be better if there was no one in charge. I'm serious, Patricia. Every budget seems to let us down big time. Well, this budget was a cautious budget and it's not to do about letting us down. They will say, the powers that be will say, it's to do with protecting us going forward because it had to be cautious because nobody knows what's going to happen with Brexit. So they need, they couldn't overspend they need to be keep money aside. We're told there's this war, ch- war chest. There will be 120 billion euro that will be available for a soft landing. And you know something? Shivers go down my spine when I even see in print and I saw it quite a lot in print and on various different articles I read online when people were talking about this cautious budget and the fact that 1.2 million was set aside for Brexit to give us a soft landing in case there's a hard Brexit. I mean, remember soft landings? We were always told there's going to be a soft landing when the crash came. And by God, we didn't get a soft landing. So 1.2 billion. They don't have all of that money away. They have half of it. They'll have to borrow the uh, other half. But they're so Martin's is feeling let down big time by the budget. Others would say no. 
They are. Even people, I think, who are not fans of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, I think are saying it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to be uh, cautious. Now, some other questions coming in. Sandy says, Patricia, a friend of mine is was doing a wellness course lately and was asked for their PRSI number. She got a letter asking for it. Apart from state-related courses, I thought PRSI numbers were confidential, says Sandy. Would anyone have any of uh, understanding of why when somebody's doing a wellness course, somebody would be asked for their PRSI number? Now, I, I would be very curious. And if I was asked, I would be quizzing whoever's running the course as to why. They're looking for the PRSI number, Sandy. So that would be my suggestion to to your friend to find out before you willingly hand over the PRSI, your PRSI details quiz and find out why. I, I can't think of any reason why somebody's doing a wellness course. Unless is there some form of payment going with it, I wonder. I don't know. I need more details on that one, please. And Sheila says, Patricia, just wondering if your listeners could suggest a good wedding band. Now, Sheila says, don't want a rock band. Don't want anything that's going to be too loud and too noisy. I want something that's going to suit all ages. And it's always the difficult one, isn't it, at weddings? Now, there's many great, there's got to be many, many fine wedding bands out there. So I suppose what we're looking for, because we're coming to the end of, well, we're certainly at the end of the really big wedding season for this year. It's all the summer months into September. You have so many weddings, they kind of ease off. And there will be winter weddings, but it's kind of May, June, July, August, September are the really busy months for weddings. So if you got married this summer or you had a family member that got married this summer or maybe you're uh, you're of that age that you're attending a lot of weddings at the moment, you kind of go through periods of your life, don't you, where you end up going through a lot of weddings, be it there's, there's, there's that stage where you're probably getting married yourself and all your friends are getting married and you're at a load of weddings and then it kind of dies off for a little bit and then there's kind of there's a lot of family weddings might come together and then suddenly you're at a stage where you're going to your own sons and daughters weddings and you're inviting friends and you're invited to your friends sons and daughters it's kind of a, it goes in a cycle like that so we are looking for people who've either attended a lot of weddings this year or you had your own wedding or you had a family wedding this year what wedding band did you employ and who was good? Who got it right? Because you do have to pitch it right in that a wedding will have children right up to granny will will be there. So you've got a real, real mix. I mean, now you'll have some weddings that will really have a very young, young crowd at it where, you know, the bride and groom decide, no, we're having a wedding that's for our friends and don't invite, say, many of the ageing aunts and uncles or don't allow the family the parents to invite many of their friends along. So you might have a young wedding. So you would go with, you know, what's been described there by Mary as a rock band, which is exactly what she doesn't want for this wedding. So suggestions, please, of wedding bands. If you can get them into us, if you were at one, as I say, and it was particularly good and you just, you, you found that whatever it was, they seemed to have just got it right for all the age groups that were attending. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. We've got an experienced construction labourer wanted for work all over Cork City and County, please. You need to have your safe pass and man- manual handling up to date. Caretaker wanted for community employment position. That's in Rathmore. While general labour is wanted for window and door glass and glazing company and a dis 
patch supervisor required. That's for a fish company. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This week, the Irish Examiner newspaper ran an extensive piece about Lyme's disease with the worrying news that there has been a tenfold increase in the incident of Lyme's disease in the Cork Kerry region alone. Now, to offer us advice on Lyme disease, I'm joined by uh, Dr Nick Flynn from his Grenada surgery, which I... Uh, good morning to you, Nick. Good morning. Uh, have you recently opened a surgery in Grenada? Yes, yeah, so the, the doctor in Grenada, Dr. Eileen, retired recently and uh, so we've, uh, we've, we're now running the, the surgery in Grenada, so I'm, I'm there every afternoon okay. um, and it's getting on very well, you know, it's a very, very nice spot. And getting to know new patients. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Is, is, I always, is that hard for patients when, uh, when they're much, and, and I'm not saying you are of course a much loved doctor, but when you've been with somebody for many years and suddenly the doctor, I mean, doctors have to retire, it's a very difficult transition for, pay, for some patients. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. The, um, I mean, so we're all creatures of habit and we sit in the same feet and mass and you know, we, <laughs> we, we tend to take the same exit off the roundabout and all that. So look, yeah, I mean, we, we like to have, uh, uh, I suppose, consistency in all aspects of our lives, but, but particularly a personal relationship like the doctor-patient relationship is very difficult. Um, but I mean, we're delighted to be there. I think I think that in this day and age, unfortunately, there there, there is a risk that when, when doctors retire, they won't be replaced. Yeah. Um, because there's a real manpower crisis in general practice. But I don't know. We've I think we've hit the ground running in Grenada, and well we're done. delighted to be there. Uh, and actually, in in the budget, and we've been or we'll get to Lyme season in a second. But we went on about the budget, and obviously, the big news for young families was the extension of the free GP card to under eights. But that did lead to some of our listeners saying that they're having problems in some doctor surgeries getting appointments because doctors' practices now are becoming so busy with children who are entitled to go to the GP for free. Yeah, I, I suppose I suppose the first thing I'd say is that the, 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 the under-sixes has certainly um, increased the visitation rate for that group and, 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 and unfortunately it has been without any great improvement in their health as a group. So there's been no kind of objective measure of how this has been helpful for them. Um, but I, I'd be... Look, the, the party line, I suppose, is that there, there isn't capacity and we, we shouldn't be uh, creating more um, a, an increase in capacity by giving free GP care to, to, to the six to eight-year-olds. But realistically, Patricia, like anybody who has had kids of that age, they're getting to the stage then where they don't go to the doctor that often. Yeah, yeah, um, So, I, I mean, like, I mean, it still has to be negotiated. I think the wording in the budget was it's the intention to do it. Mm. Um, uh, but I, I think it'll be less of a burden on, on general practice than, than, than the preceding one, although all free GP care, all free care, nothing is free. Somebody's paying, so the taxpayer is paying in some way. So it's important that money that is spent in that way, that they get good value for money. And I think just for the listeners, while free GP care for 68 rows is laudable, it, it, it is a trade-off with something else. So when you look at cancer care and home health packages and all that, it all comes out of the same pot and, yeah. and it has to be spent wisely. So I, I proceed with caution, but I'm not personally, in our own practice, we're not, we're not too concerned about the age-old okay. uh, okay. cards. OK, let's, let's talk about uh, Lyme's disease. I suppose, what is Lyme's disease and how do people get it? Uh, so Lyme's disease is an infection caused by being bitten by an infected tick. So ticks are small little creatures um, they are tiny, you know, sometimes barely visible, a couple of millimetres, and they attach themselves to the skin of humans and animals. Uh, and when they attach themselves to the skin, they, I suppose, they, they suck blood from the skin and they fill with blood. And during that process, 
some ticks, I know it is only some ticks, which are infected by a certain bacteria which causes Lyme disease, they can pass the bacteria from their gut to the person that they've attached themselves to. So then when that bacteria gets passed on to the person, then Lyme disease can develop. So uh, Lyme disease itself, the first line of it is a, a very characteristic rash. So, and there's three stages of Lyme disease. And stage one is when you get the rash. Uh, so you may or may not notice that you've been bitten by a tick. So the tick might be gone, actually might have fallen off, and you get this circular rash. Uh, and it gets it spreads out, gets bigger, and as it's spreading, the center becomes pale, and then it's got this kind of um, a bullseye appearance. So the, the classical Lyme disease rash will be a kind of a circular red rash with a pale center, um, and that rash can last for for up to four weeks. And during that that period, then those three or four weeks, the patient will normally kind of get flu-like symptoms with kind of runny nose, aches, um, aches and pains, and you know headaches. Uh, but particularly joint pains can, 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 as the weeks go on, can become significant. That that would be the stage one, and that's the stage where we would hope that we would, I suppose, capture most Lyme disease diagnosis because it's it's very readily treatable. So, but, but there isn't a big problem. It's is it underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed? Yeah, it can be it can be difficult to diagnose because as the, if you can imagine that the tick is gone, so there isn't a history of a tick bite, and and, and you don't feel the tick. And so when you present to the doctor, especially in the early days, you can present with just a red rash. And if it hasn't got big enough to have the, the bullseye appearance, it can it can look like, like say, a fungal rash or can look like lots of different rashes that we see. And so the, it, it can sometimes be diagnosed as ringworm. Um, but I think it's important that if you have anybody has a rash like that, and, and as doctors we try and, and think for that, if that if somebody presents a rash like that, but there are other symptoms, that's the important thing. So there are systemic symptoms of a flu-like illness, and particularly joint pains, that's when we start to think of those Yeah, things. because with ringworm, you would just have the rash. You would just yeah, have the exactly. ringworm. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have the, yeah, the, no, the, the other symptoms. And then well. once diagnosed then, how is it treated? Um, I suppose the, the, once diagnosed, the, treat, the treatment is with antibiotics. Then antibiotics are fairly standard, broad-spectrum antibiotics that we use to treat other upper respiratory tract infections, uh, amoxicillin or doxycycline mainly, but it's a protracted course. You'll be on them for three or four weeks. Um, and uh, I suppose coming back to the diagnosis, part of, I suppose part of the difficulty is that um, the the diagnosis it can be it can be difficult clinically, but there are blood tests to help. Uh, I know, as as with all things, blood tests can can be tricky as well. Even if a blood test is negative, but this clinical picture, so the rash and the symptoms sound like Lyme disease, it's worth repeating the blood test four weeks after the first test because sometimes the blood test can be can be negative in the early stages. Um, and uh, so, and so, antibiotics would be the mainstay of treatment. But it, when, it come, when it comes to, to 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 treatment, I suppose prevention is important as well. And that the listeners might be maybe even more interested in that. That I mean, especially if you're working in rural uh, in rural areas, and if you're working in areas where the grass is high, or you're working in forested areas. And like, sorry, isn't it isn't it mainly associated or more commonly associated with uh, with areas where there's deer? Yeah, so so deer and but 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 to be honest, the ticks can 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 feed on other animals, they can okay. feed on mice and smaller animals as well. So it, so it can be actually any area with long grass and forested areas, and and the tick can't jump. That's an important thing. So the tick gets onto your uh, body or your skin by direct contact. So as you're walking through these areas, and so long sleeved uh, uh, shirts and trousers, long trousers tucked in with the, the the ends tucked into your socks. And another important point of it is that. Even if you get an, uh, a tick bite, it does take 24 to 48 hours of the tick being on your skin for that bug to pass over. So it looks, it seems like that the bug is actually in the tick's stomach 
doesn't really bear thinking about. Um, and so as the tick is feeding, it takes that, that 24 to 48 hours on the skin for the bug to go from their stomach into the, into a person's bloodstream. So a tick that is spotted and removed early will prevent the, 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 the I suppose, the, the, the Lyme disease bacteria entering the bloodstream. And just to tell the listeners that to remove a tick, so I don't know if anybody's had pet, pets at home, particularly dogs. I, I've always had dogs and I've often removed ticks from my dogs. It's, it's a very delicate procedure. So you get little tweezers and very gently... You, 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 you pinch the, the, the tick but you're careful not to pinch too much because you're pinching too much what you actually do is you squeeze the body and you're pushing the contents into the which is exactly what you don't want to what do what you shouldn't do yet so because, there is, because isn't there an implement or an instrument you can use because Mary was on to us to say uh, could you ask Dr Nick is, is it advisable rather than use a tweezers to get the special tick removing implement there is a tick removing implement and, and they're, they're, they're very cheap my own experience is that if, if, if you're careful, they are quite easy to remove. But yet Mary is correct. There is a particular instrument that can, that can be used and, and very gentle traction. So important things, don't use your hands, don't squeeze them, don't burn them off, you know, um, don't cover them in jelly or creams or anything Which, like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so, so you, they just need to be removed as soon as they're seen. Um, and, that's, and that is very effective um, uh, uh, at preventing Lyme disease. Have you come across many cases in Cork? Any cases yeah, in your o- own practice? O- over the course of the years, we've had a couple of confirmed cases, but we've had we've we've had lots of possible cases. So we've had lots of cases where the, where the clinical picture seems uh, to fit the case, fit, fit the scenario, but the blood test then weren't confirmatory, and that can be that can be difficult. Um, and just to mention that to, 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 to the listeners as well. If it goes beyond the, the first stage, so the first stage is the rash and the flu-like symptoms, the joint pains. Um, but if it goes beyond that, that's present for more than four weeks, you're kind of into stage two. Now, it's still very treatable and it's still, still treatable with the same simple antibiotics. But it, but you get more significant joint pains, the, particularly the knees seem to be particularly affected, where they get swollen and stiff. Um, and you can, you can, you know, it can actually, in rare cases, cause heart and, 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 and nervous system problems as well. So it is important important diagnosis to think about, um, and uh, I suppose that if anybody has symptoms that they think might be Lyme disease or might be related to Lyme disease, important just to go to your GP say and, and say it to so, the doctor. Yeah. Because in the majority of cases, people will go on to make a full recovery. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and even without treatment, they're going to make a full recovery. But with treatment, even more so. Um, you know, the, the chronic Lyme disease symptoms are quite controversial, and even Lyme disease experts would be uh, divided on what. The actual which symptoms are actually attrib- attributable to Lyme disease, but even if you get late Lyme disease, so if you get stage two or stage three, still very treatable with the antibiotics. And most people with stage two and stage three, given the appropriate course, long course of antibiotics, will make a good recovery. Okay, we'll let you get back to your good pay, the good Thanks people of Grenade, and we thank you for joining us, Nick. Thank, thank you for that. Bye bye. That bye. is uh, Doctor Nick Flynn uh, joining us from his practice in Grenade. Eighteen fifty. 333103 Our lines are open uh, John Paul uh, taking your calls I can see and I'm going to have to read down through them down through them. we are getting in some uh, suggestions for a wedding band this has come in from Sheila who uh, obviously is in the throes of either organising her own wedding or a family wedding son or daughter's wedding and is looking for suggestions for a good for a good wedding band she's very clear though they don't want a rock band <laughs> they don't want a very loud band they want something that's going to suit all of the ages that's at a typical Irish wedding and we are going to 
where are we going to Acton's Hotel in Kinsale where I'm joined by Garda James O'Mahony for this week's uh, Garda File. Good morning to you James. Good morning Patricia. And you are in Acton's Hotel in Kinsale for a special reason today. That's right uh, Patricia. Just before we go into the crime file uh, briefly we are holding here Kinsale Youth Bus are holding an open day. First of all uh, as we speak there is some 400 primary school children attending a seminar here six class uh, primary schools on Mental Health Awareness. Today is World Mental Health Day and we decided here in Kinsale that we'd bring in all the schools and we have groups like the HFC, the Samaritans, Theatre House, CrossFit, Kinsale, Chosha Showed. There's about 15 different groups in the hall altogether. We have a number of speakers as well and it's going on. The primary school section is going on until 2.30 this morning and then we're open to the public, Patricia, from 4 o'clock to 7 tonight. All those groups will be also present with information on mental health and creating mental health awareness. Isn't that fantastic? And of course, you are the Guard the Juvenile uh, Officer in West Cork, so you deal with young people. I do, Patricia. And, you know, I've dealt with, and, you know, uh, some time ago, t- 10 or 11 years ago, Patricia, I'd done a survey actually. A lot of the referrals I'd get from the guards in West Cork, Road West Cork, would be for drugs, alcohol, public order incidents, and all that. And when I asked, a hundred people, and forget uh, there's some ten or eleven years ago now, Patricia. I I, I deal with two hundred fifty, three hundred cases in the year, and I I decided to sample a hundred. And out of the hundred, when I asked, do you suffer from anxiety or depression or anything? Why are you doing this? Why are you drinking? Why are you taking drugs? Seventy-eight, Patricia, out of the hundred, had either anxiety, depression, maybe eating order, bullying was a problem. You know, my God. And so mental health is bigger than we think. And, we, yeah. you know, we talk a lot about alcohol, drugs, and there is alcohol, there is problem with drugs. But the question is, and this is what's underneath, why do people go down that road to such an extent that they're, that they're damaging their health and they're getting in trouble with the guards, etc.? Mental health. Anxiety is huge amongst young people. Absolutely huge. I meet that every single day of the week. Now, alone young people, but parents as well. We live in a society, unfortunately, where... Social media and other factors come into play, and unfortunately, uh, mental health is it is bigger than we think. And what we're trying to do here in Kinsale, we can say youth support services. First of all, a create awareness of it, and b then signpost people where they can get help. Yeah, it's get people talking and let people let them identify symptoms and realise they're not on their own, as you say. It's only when people start to open up that they realise, goodness me, there's so many other people feeling the same way as I'm feeling. But when you're going through that, you know, mental health issue, anxiety, depression, you feel there's no one else in the world is being affected the way you are. But there are so many. There are so many. There are so many. And and there's help available. And yeah, that's the funny thing we have we done here with the last ten years in Kinsale now from this area here. We when we surveyed people, they didn't realise what help was available in their own locality. Yeah, and there is help in every locality and counsellors and people that can help in so many different I mentioned CrossFit there, for instance. Mm. I, 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 I recently just to give you an example, referred uh, somebody here in Kinsale uh, were suffering a bit of anxiety, they were smoking a bit of cannabis, etc. I said, listen, would you not try a program with this CrossFit crowd? And they went and they, and the anxiety straight away went down 40-50%. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's widely known that if you can get somebody and not just anxiety, somebody's battling depression as well, if you can get them out and get them exercising. But yet when you're going through that anxiety, when you're going through that depression, it's the last thing you think of is going to help. And it hugely helps. It is. And, and mental health too, Patricia, is very, very complex. It's not, you know, you can't just say, well, pick yourself up, you'll be fine, now yeah. go on and get on. It's not as simple as that for anyone suffering from any different forms of mental health. It is not as simple as that. It is a struggle. 
everybody will need help at some stage in our life. We all will need help in different areas in our life. And it's great to know that there is help there. Okay. All right. So people can pop into Acton's uh, Hotel in Kinsale. You say open to the public from four to seven this evening. Four to seven this evening. Great. Come along, everybody, whether, you know, and there'll be plenty of information there and plenty of guidance and help. Fantastic. Okay. From our uh, guy the file for today, we want to start with the theft of home heating oil from Belgooli. That's right. Uh, this happened there last Saturday, uh, between Saturday and Monday last weekend, uh, Patricia. I know this is the start of the winter season. I don't have to tell everybody about heating oil and uh, the company did, did this, uh, this house, the whole tank was emptied uh, of heating oil. So just be careful, just be wary of that one. Yeah. Okay, and there was a uh, uh, theft of tools. This is in a Shannon. That's right, yeah. Now, this is a typical one again. This was taken from a van that was parked in, uh, in Shannon and, and between the 30th of September and the 1st of October. Again, we've spoken so many times in this program, Patricia, about uh, warning about securing your van, securing as much as possible as humanly possible, but unfortunately it may not always be the case, but you know not to leave things that have, can be seen uh, openly in cars and all that and uh, unfortunately this, this happened this poor uh, person. Yeah. And they can be out of business if it's a small you know, business person, oh, they're, they're tools small, of their uh, life. Yeah, it's loan trade or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, you're looking at, listen, any tools now, any small, any tool belongs to any trade, it'll cost anything up to 1,000 euros. Yeah. You can imagine if you've separated them, gone, you know, it's, it's, it's a big it's a big chunk of your business, right, you know. Okay, you're looking for help for some break-in starting in Aherla. That's right. There was a, a premises broken in Aherla in the early hours of Monday morning, uh, the 30th of September. Also, a premises there at Crookstown was entered on Wednesday, the 2nd of October, and this is at 2 20 a.m. Patricia in the morning. Now, in this case, the mail was disturbed and ran off, and uh, the guardia took down and investigated in both of those cases. Uh, then we have a house at uh, Shanna Varga at Coachford, and that was entered on Monday, the 30th of September, uh, uh, Monday, the 30th of September, Friday, the 4th, uh, 4th of uh, October. Coachford guardia, if you can help here with this one as well. Okay, look, and as we're heading into the winter months, you need to be looking after your home security and checking up on locks and making sure doors and windows are always closed uh, when you're going out. Okay, and finally... And and just just on that, before we leave it, Patricia, the Crime Prevention Officer, uh, James O'Donnell, was on to me about to make sure to tell everybody to check their CCTV and make sure they're working and the lenses are clean and all that. You know, sometimes this time of year with trees and all that and the thing that the lenses are clear, just to make sure that's both commercially and private in private houses. Yeah, because you can have leaves blowing across them and branches growing over them and right. there's no point if right. you can't see uh, anything clearly. Uh, does a HSE survey you want to give a mention to? That's right, yeah. We were contacted by the HSE and they're doing a survey nationwide on health and well-being. Now, for this purpose of this survey, Patricia, they will be calling to houses throughout Ireland in the month of October. Now, they'll be calling to houses. They will have national uh, uh, proper ID, so please do ask for this ID. Okay. And... Uh, of course, like, like all callers, unfortunately, be aware of callers, you know, ask for ID. If you're not sure, do not leave them in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the HSE uh, asked us to give this a throw because they will be doing a nationwide survey on health and well-being. Okay, so keep a lookout for that. But as you say, whenever somebody calls to your house unsolicited, you ask and and the person calling will be only too happy to hand you over genuine up-to-date uh, ID yeah. and that's what you need ID, to say. Yeah. Yeah. All right, listen. And, and, do, and, do, and do check it at close names. Just, you know, sometimes, Patricia, uh, the, 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 the 
the, the criminal is very fast. Oh, this is my idea, and they'll will show it and they'll pull it back again. No, you take you it in and you look at it. Yeah, you look at it, and if you're not happy with it, you ring you're the not place. Happy. Not 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 yeah. nothing with the number that they're giving you, but you track no. down a number yourself, ring yourself, and ask, That's and right. just make doubly sure. Okay, listen, thank you for that, James. We'll let you get back to what is a busy day for your actions or telling Kinsale. But thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is Garda James O'Mahony, who is Garda Juvenile Officer in West Cork. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Sheila was on to us earlier. She's organising a wedding, looking for suggestions for a good wedding band. How did she phrase it? She could ask your listeners for suggestions for a good wedding band. Not a rock band, but something that would suit all the ages. Many thanks, Sheila. Let me tell you, Sheila, Couple, some of the suggestions that we have received from uh, people uh, for good wedding bands and, and I'm assuming take down the names of these and if you Google any of them you'll get the details of uh, phone details and email details and whatever and you can negotiate your own deal then and see if the wedding band is available on your particular night. Somebody says Patrick O'Sullivan wedding band fabulous for all ages. Somebody else says Kieran Cook fabulous selection of music for all ages great band to play music to suit the crowd and I think that's just what Sheila wants and then a listener says I got married in July of this year congratulations and the band we chose were Wild Rhythm they were outstanding everybody commented on the f- how fantastic they were we had a lot of older generation at the wedding and they loved them as well you see that's good that's that's a good wedding ba- a band if they can get that mix that the young people are out dancing and loving it and the older generation are out dancing and loving it as well. So that's wild uh, rhythm. And someone else has just um, WhatsApped in. Best wedding band, The Music Makers. Doesn't say why, but The Music Makers, if you want to check them out. And then by uh, text, somebody's recommending Tracy Cronin and Sisters from Inchigila, um, McCroom, Finbar Dennehy, Kevin McSweeney of Ovens and Tony Carney and Marion Kirby. There's some suggestions all coming in uh, together. There was another one in there. Hi, uh, Patricia. We were at a wedding during the summer. See, and I like this. Like, is it, you, it was either your own wedding or a wedding you were at and you went along and f- identifying why they were good. Anyway, there was a fantastic bag, band called Flog the Dog. <laughs> um, they played We Never Left the Dance Floor, says this texter. They played a variety of music for the old and the young and they created an absolutely fantastic atmosphere. And the, that person signs their text with Best Wedding Ever. <laughs> so that's Flog the dog. Okay, there's a couple of suggestions there for you, Mary. Off you go, get working on it. You've got some suggestions, check them out yourself and uh, we wish you uh, love and luck on the wedding that you are organising. Some of your other calls coming into, somebody says, um, Patricia, you mentioned earlier that you were going to have Deputy Michael Healy Ray. Did he get lost? He didn't. He didn't. And in fairness to the man, he's a man with manners. I'll say that about Michael Healy Ray. Whether you love or hate his politics, he's such a mannerly man he rang back profusely apologising because we had booked in for the time slot to interview him in the first hour of the programme today but he got caught in a meeting and the meeting went on and he said there was over 100 people in the room and he couldn't just get up and walk out and he obviously had his phone switched off which is the mannerly thing to do when you're in public like that at a meeting and it was only then when he came out of the meeting and he couldn't he was trying his best to get away to be available for our call uh, but he 
contacted John Paul, spoke to John Paul during news at 11 and he was profusely uh, apologising. So we'll no doubt we will talk again with Deputy Michael Healy-Ray in another day, but certainly not available to us uh, today. Hi, Patricia. I was listening to your programme and the comments about the roads and the condition of the roads at the moment. Well, says this texter, what about fixing the street lights? This night, three weeks ago, I had a very bad fall outside my own house as I was coming in from work. It was dark at the time and the street light was not working. I rang the council and told them about the light and my fall. That was three weeks ago. The light is still not fixed. And to make things worse, it was first reported back in June. While all my stitches are out and the bruising is going down, well, that was a nasty fall. I'm still quite sore. I just would like to put it out there thanking you. Now, the minute I heard of street lights being down, I got on to our own John Paul, who's the expert on this, because we constantly, and, and obviously John Paul is constantly getting calls in from listeners who are complaining about various street lights that are out. And we always direct them, not the council, we direct them to SSE Airtricity Utility Solutions because they have the contract for street lightning, street lighting maintenance. And they uh, they fix the, they, I don't know if they extend to every local authority in Ireland, but they certainly work here in Cork. They sort out anytime you report street light. Now, what they ask you to do is that you go to the pole where the street light is and there's a number Every single poll in the country has a number on it. Take down the number and then you ring them on 1850 372 772 and you report the street light that is out in your area and they are really, really good. John Paul was saying in the estate that he lives in in the city they only had to ring uh, lately and by within a day I think they were out and the light had been fixed. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to be done within a day. It depends on how busy they are. But it's rather than it being the council, it's SSE Airtricity Utility Solutions is who you need to contact. So when I saw that text and the person, obviously, a lot of people will go straight onto the council. I was surprised that the council, and I don't know whoever answered the phone, didn't make you aware of the Airtricity Utility Solutions who they are the ones who have the contract to go around the country fixing all of the light bulbs so if you want to give them a call 1850 372 772 but before you ring them you need to go out take a look at the poll and get the number that's on the poll and glad to hear that you are recovering but you had a nasty fall if you ended up with stitches and three weeks it happened three this night three weeks ago still with uh, bruising hopefully you're on the other side of it and uh, everything will be okay. Thank you for your text. We've been talking about speeding and we've talked about penalty points and the possibility of a proposal to double penalty points on Bank Holiday Weekend and that's led to people giving all kinds of reasons as to what is wrong with our roads at the moment and people saying that's attributing to a lot of the uh, accidents. And then somebody, and I wasn't aware of this, it was Dennis, I think, sent in quite a detailed text who was explaining the digital speed indicator signs. You know, they've, they're erected in a lot of villages now and a lot of community groups have to get together to fundraise for those themselves. But I didn't realise that they actually log the number of cars going through and then they'll be able to show exactly how many cars were over the 50 kilometre mark and Dennis was giving us stats and details from the Watergrass Hill digital speed indicator. Well, there's another text in to say those flashing indicators do record the number and the speed of vehicles. In a Kerry town, just don't know where this is, on the outskirts where they had one of these digital indicators, one car was recorded at driving at 130 kilometres per hour 
going through that indicator light and you're thinking they're not put up in 100 kilometre zones they're not the actual speed limit on that stretch of road was 60 kilometres so over double the amount isn't that incredible they hit somebody at 130 kilometres the person they hit literally does not stand a chance now the texter says on penalty points initially they worked when they were first introduced in this country however we became complacent if an implementation of an immediate fine varying from 500 euro to 1000 euro as well as penalty points on speeding exceeding the limits by say 10 kilometre to 20 kilometre respectively and especially for drivers using any type of a handheld device i.e. a mobile phone an iPad or whatever a 1000 euro fine and extra points for those uh, people uh, who are obviously not looking at the road when they're driving if that was policed only says this texter, by Angarda Siakona, not by the speed vans, just by Angarda Siakona. The fines would cover the initial cost. People of this country will give anything, but they hate parting with their hard-earned cash. Would that not be the problem solved? We would have safer roads if you thought you were going to get caught, if the you need to have, going to have if you're if you're going on your theory that's policed only by Gardaí, we're going to need to employ extra Gardaí. You're going to have to have extra Gardaí out on the beat. You're going to have to have more road traffic police. But obviously, if you're catching more people, your theory would be more money will come into the pot, and we certainly and that money then could cover the cost of the extra Gardaí. And is, you know, would would it change people's attitudes? Would it stop people? speeding and dangerous driving. I mean, the one on the use of handheld devices, the amount of people still, it's incredible the amount of people going around on mobile phones. It's just, and I know some are getting caught, but not enough. I don't think not enough are getting caught because again, if more people were getting caught and fined, and as this listener says, hidden where it hurts in, in the pocket. You know, if you got stopped for example for driving while on your mobile phone and you got a, a big fine you got fined a thousand two thousand euro I'm telling you the next time you go out in a car you wouldn't even look at your mobile phone for fear that you could end up with a fine that size again so that's, is that the way to go rather than all these double penalty points suggestions increase the fines make the fines uh, higher back to the budget Pat says Patricia there are 27 other countries in the EU that have had to budget their finances how is it that Ireland is the only country blaming Brexit for not taking care of their people the cheek of those two rich men's parties what fools are we the Irish says Pat well of the other the other 27 countries you are right there are 27 uh, countries in the EU but everyone accepts Pat that no one is going to be as affected as we hear in Ireland now the rest of the EU will there will be a knock-on effect if great the United Kingdom crash out of Brexit but we here in Ireland being their nearest neighbours we are the ones who are going to be most affected so yes you can say that all of the other budgets that were held across the other EU countries, they would have to consider Brexit, but not, certainly not on the same level that we have to consider it here uh, in this country, that is for sure. Okay, let me look at some, do we get through all of your, oh, before we get this, some more uh, text coming in, this is um, Lyme's disease, when we spoke with Dr Nick Flynn in the last hour, Michael says, Patricia, when I was a youngster, we were always told never to pull off a tick 
you're out and about in high grass and you picked up one of these ticks, we were told to dab it with iodine and it automatically fell off. Iodine is still available in any pharmacy today. And according to Michael, it should be in everybody's first aid box. It saves an awful lot of infection from the beginning. I don't, yeah, I, Is iodine the one that colours your skin? I remember that as a child if you fell and you, you, you know, scratched your knee or whatever. And this stuff was, was it mercuricum? Was something it was called? Remember the funny smell of it? And it stains your skin for ages. Is that the same? Is that iodine? Does iodine do the same thing as that? I don't know how many parents, when you've got a first aid box, particularly with the, with the smallies running around and, and falling, how many people actually have iodine in their first aid box? Uh, but Michael reckons it should be in all of our first aid box. And then a really, really pitiful I have to say this broke my heart when I read this text in from one of our listeners in particular listening with interest to Dr Flynn on your programme last year I became very unwell with what I would describe as this texture as the worst flu of my life I still haven't recovered fully a year on many blood tests and scans later have all come back negative for anything that can show a cause I have extremely high inflammatory markers showing in my blood for weeks The levels eventually returned to normal, but I'm now left with a lot of symptoms. I've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia now. I'm in my late 20s and I'm living in constant pain every day. I also also had a rash for weeks and it appeared like urticaria. My doctor is not interested in listening about Lyme's disease. But so many of the symptoms point to Lyme's disease. I felt like nobody can help me. So I was listening with interest to Dr. Flynn and is, is wondering would Dr. Flynn take her on as a patient and, and we're trying to connect the two of them together. Yeah, there is that problem that not, I'm not saying all doctors don't recognise uh, Lyme's, but not all seem to test for it. I mean, you would, you would think, having listened to Dr. Nick and everything he went through and all the different symptoms he went through and what you should be looking for and, you know, if that happens and then this happens and then you know and he did also say that if you suspect that you have Lyme's and you're ticking all the boxes for a lot of the symptoms mention it to your doctor so that the blood test can be done because the only way is you have to do the blood test and you may have to redo the blood test as well I am really surprised that your doctor is not testing you having just listened to Dr Nick so as I say we're trying to see if um, we can hook this listener up with uh, Dr Nick but you do sound like for somebody in your late 20s you are living through certainly life isn't good for you at the moment so we hope we can get something sorted out for you and that you get to the bottom even because that's the worst thing I think anybody living in in pain every day is when you don't know what's wrong it's when you it's the unknown isn't it it's worse I mean how often have we heard from people when they finally get a diagnosis even if the diagnosis is very serious and very worrying people say I was just relieved I thought I was going off my head because I didn't know what was wrong with me at least when you know what's wrong with you you can then decide what, what road to take and I'm not saying that this young lady has limes, but if, if she has she certainly needs the help because Dr Nick says like it's as simple as a simple antibiotic she just needs the antibiotic then get her the antibiotic but at least get the blood tests done and prove one way prove yay or nay if she has it or, or not thank you uh, for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103
The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Irish Blood Transfusion Service. They've got donor clinics in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. 3 to 5 this afternoon and 7 to 9 tonight. Uh, tea dances begin again this evening at the Lord Kingsley. It's not this evening, it's this afternoon. Uh, that's in, in O'Connell Street from half past two to half past five. Music is by... Kevin Mack and John Tuohy, Mission 5 Euro and a great afternoon assured. Social dancing in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. That's on tonight with music by Michael Cahill Band, half past nine to twelve midnight. Then there's a DJ first from half past eight at Mission 10 Euro. And the Bandon Brass Band, along with local groups and artists, they're playing in concert in Bandon Town Hall tomorrow night starting at half past eight. Admission is free, but donations are welcome to support Cork Simon and the local branch of the DP. Amalo Search and Rescue, that wonderful organisation, they're holding their annual church gate collection at all masses in Mallow on Saturday and Sunday of this weekend. Please support. And somebody said, hi, I had to phone that number that you called out for the street light. It was in the Fomoy area last night, last month. I gave the poll number and it was fixed the next day. It was in a housing estate. Yeah, they are really good and we would have heard that many, many times. But you just have to have the details, you have to have the number and there is a number on every poll. And actually people are surprised when they discover that there's a number on uh, every poll and there is and if you go you know and for whatever reason the number is missing from the poll if you look at the other polls on either side and give them as much you know give them well it's next to poll 58 there's no number on my one and then poll 59 is on the other side you know just give them as much detail they will find it for you and somebody said can you call out that number again please from the SSA or Electricity who, who do the maintenance of our street lights it's one eight five zero eighteen fifty. 372-772-1850-372-772 and just report it to them and they will sort it out for you. I mentioned Curacombe when I heard about iodine and is it gone Ed, Ed says thank you Eddie for this Curacombe went off the market years ago I did say I remembered it from my childhood uh, and why? Due to the content of mercury it's wonder we're all not dead uh, it was the red it was a red colour yeah the iodine is an orange brownish stain but you can still get iodine but the Curacombe is long since gone some of your texts coming in oh thank you to Debbie do you remember earlier somebody said that they had a friend of theirs was doing a wellness course and they were asked for their PRSI number and the person was a bit confused as to why you'd be asked for your PRSI number for a wellness course. Debbie says, Patricia, all QQI courses ask for your PPSN number as it is now. Oh, it's not the PRSI, it's the PPSN number. Thank you. Because they have to make sure that the course is accredited to the correct person, especially if you're building up for a major reward. OK, thank you for that. And thank you for giving us that uh, clarification that came in on WhatsApp. Also on WhatsApp, which I heard um, the guard, the, on your crime file, the guard the, coming from Formoy today to say, check your car tyres, particularly at this time of the year. And there's, there was a campaign, wasn't there, this week? showing how dangerous it is to be driving around on bald tyres. Well, it is most important to have your cars roadworthy, so therefore you do need to check your thread depth. But just look at the damage done to motorists' cars by all of those huge potholes. Maybe the Gardaí need to speak with the council about the state of the roads, because the state of the roads is adding 
to cars getting damaged, including tyres getting damaged. Maybe something needs to happen uh, there. And Mary in Charleville, I'm going back to basics on cooking, which we've been talking about throughout the programme today and why are children going to school hungry to the point that the Minister Doherty, Minister for Social Protection, had to decide on her budget for this year, would she give money to vulnerable children or would she give money to older people? And she decided that she had to give money. She did give some money to older people, but she had to to put vulnerable children, prioritise them because she says there is too many children at risk of poverty and she sees hot meals, giving them a hot meal in school every day as one of the most effective and dynamic ways of really making a difference to their welfare. So... Something like 35,000 extra children will benefit from a free hot dinner from next September. And I was making the point, why have we so many children in need of a good, hot, nutritious meal? And do we just need, do their parents need to be educated and taught about the basics of cooking? And do we need to go back to basics as our parents and our grandparents did, where they didn't have a lot of money? but we always had a good hot meal. Marion Charleville says, what's wrong? We're getting a few bones from the butcher and making soup with them. We all did that years ago. It's very easy to go and shop for everything today, says Mary. And I'm wondering, is it is that the problem? You have these children, these vulnerable children at risk of poverty in households that don't have a big income and that it's the way the money's been spent. Convenience food costs an awful lot more to buy than if you're going out and buying from scratch and starting to build, you know, starting to make a meal from a scratch. It's it's much cheaper than buying the convenience foods. And is that the reason that we have these children turning up to school hungry and in need of a decent hot meal? And I know before, and I haven't actually I thought I was going to get annihilated by parents saying you should try getting a, a warm stew into my fella. He won't eat anything, only chicken nuggets and chips. There are very fussy eaters out there. Uh, that is a huge problem uh, today as well. Now, Shane, Ross and Gar, the Chiefs, are talking about this in another text, are talking about creating new points for weekend defences. This is the double penalty points. It's just typical of those who do not want to hire extra Gardaí to try to enforce existing laws. Take the villages of Drina and Lep, as well as Dunmanway, where excess, excess speed endangers and hinders bypass traffic. Uh, but endangers and hinders bypass tra- okay endangers and hinders bypass bypass traffic exit there at 50 kilometres an hour in in zones where there are three speed limits they're blatantly being ignored on a daily basis in the east side of Dreenham there's a playground a pub a church and a busy and a lot of busy school traffic I've heard the school is hoping that traffic calming will be installed before there will be a serious accident occurred. Why are there no Gardaí enforcing the existing speed limits in those three areas? And they're just three areas that this texture has highlighted. And of course, the Gardaí will say, we don't have enough people to put on the beat. We don't, we, you know, they're probably well aware that speeding is going on in those areas, but they don't have enough traffic core to put Gardaí out on the beat and do it every day and continue to do it every day until people learn their lesson and slow down. But of course, if people know there's not going to be a Gardaí on the beach, then they'll unfortunately pedal to the metal, uh, metal and they'll speed. And an accident, particularly when it's by a school, let's hope the traffic calming measures go in because when we put traffic calming measure in place, that certainly does uh, work. 
And hi Patricia, could you please give a shout out for me that social dancing classes with Michael Welton are returning to the Pike Hall in this of Arch tonight at nine. We had to cancel last week, remember that, due to the weather. But dance, was it this day last week we were talking about Storm Lorenzo? Anyway, due to dancing started back in Tots Bar in Ballygartine last Tuesday night and there will be a class starting in the Lepin next Wednesday night at nine o'clock. Everybody is welcome to any of these classes. Thank you very much. And that's been sent in by Michael Welton himself. And we have we've heard time and time again that those social dancing classes are a great way to get people out and about. You'll have a wonderful evening out. You get to make new uh, friends. You pick up a new skill at the same time. And they're fantastic for getting for rural isolation and you can go to any of those social dancing classes and they don't involve drinking so you don't have to worry about drinking and driving you can drive yourself there maybe get a friend or two if you wanted to go along or if you want to turn up on your own we've heard from many many people who attend those classes that it's they're one of those great events that you can go to on your own and that you don't need to have anybody with you at all 1850 can you get your pet questions into us please because Jane Pickett our resident vet is going to join me after the break live in studio if you have a pet question get it in you can text our WhatsApp If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Jane Pickett of the Island Wood uh, Veterinary Hospital joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. And you're very welcome. And we were talking when the outbreak was on about Lyme's disease because I was speaking with uh, Dr. Nick Flynn earlier. And obviously Lyme's disease is transmitted by ticks, dogs and other animals. Yeah, dogs can get it. It is admittedly rare enough, but it's certainly a possibility. I suppose it is a a tick-borne disease, so it will require a a tick bite and the tick to feed for it to be transmitted. Um, in this country, for dogs, it doesn't appear to creep up very often. But again, it's one of those things that we don't encounter too frequently. Um, I think the really important thing to stress with this is particularly from a dog point of view, you can do lots of things to prevent them getting the disease. So if you can give them preventative tick treatments, okay. it will mean that, uh, you know, a tick latches on for for a meal, as it were, it will essentially be killed off or, or incited to fall off if your dog has been appropriately treated with a tick preventative. Okay. So it's really important to keep up with that. Is that, that. the spot on stuff? Is well, that, there no? are spot ons available, I okay. suppose. Uh, oh, there, is this different to the flea different. prevention? Sometimes okay. it can actually be included in ones that will be, let's say, preventative for fleas, mites and lice, the usual spot ons. But it's really important to check with your vet what your particular spot on does. It depends on your local area. I think around me, certainly, I normally recommend that most animals are done for ticks because we have a lot of woodland around. We have the beautiful island wood near us. So, you know, big hotspot for, for ticks. And, and dogs insects. love running around. Exactly, and they love it. And I suppose it's the luxury of living in rural Ireland. You have a lot of great places to take your dogs, but they're also great places for ticks to live. Yeah. Um, so I'd normally recommend, certainly in my local area, that most dogs um, will, be, will be protected for it by ticks. Now, I think speak to your vet about what treatment is appropriate and whether it's necessary in your dog or cat. Um, I think there are tablets available that will last for about three months. There's also spot-ons available with a tick-killing ingredient in it as well. So have a have a chat with your vet, what's available local to you and what it's, kind of pattern preve- of treatment. It's preventative. Is. It's definitely but preventative. But when you take a dog out or, or a cat comes in, will you spot the ticks? Do you know what? I I would say yes, if they're big, but it takes them a little while to get quite big. If you think about a tick, it's almost like a small uninflated balloon is what I normally explain to people when they latch on. They're empty. They're waiting for their dinner, which is essentially sucking a little bit of blood. Yeah. Um, so you probably won't notice them when they latch on initially because they're a small little uninflated balloon. Once they fill up with blood, then you'll notice them. But they've already done the damage at that point. And most of the time, a certain period of time will be required for, let's say, disease transmission after they latch on. And normally by the time you'll see them, the damage has been done. Okay. Um, also, I, I was very surprised. I had a case recently that had a load of ticks all over. They had been out for a, a walk somewhere lovely and had just gone out of the period of, let's say, prevention of their previous tick treatment. Happens to us all. Look, life happens. And sometimes we can forget a few days and be a few days late. Um, but I had never seen such a thing. There was lots of tiny little white ticks on a lovely little, beautiful little white dog. But they were so small. You'd almost have to look at them with a the microscope. But that owner had bought them in really, really early to me. So they were really tiny. They hadn't filled up and become their, their big balloon-like selves yet. Um, but it is always a really challenging And then how thing. do you get them out? So 
the easiest way is to treat them with a tick preventative. So normally when okay. I have a patient present to me with ticks on them, I can, if they're large and in a location amenable to being removed, I can remove them safely. The really important thing is to make sure that none of the mouth parts or legs are left inside because they can cause quite a nasty inflammation, a nasty infection inside in the skin. So it's always, yeah, yeah, so it's always best to maybe speak to your vet, local vet nurse about how to how to take them out. And we're always more than happy to do that. Um, but taking them out of effectively is really really important because sometimes you can do more harm than good leaving little bits inside if that makes sense. Whereas if they've had the preventative and you pick up a tick Mm. they'll just die off. They should just drop off once they've had a little bit of blood so a lot of the time they might be there for an hour and then be gone again. So an owner mightn't even notice? No. Okay. No. right, but you you need to be aware of it. Okay let's get straight into questions for Jane 1850 333103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Dennis in Donorel Hi I have a question about my Bichon Freeze puppy three months old won't stop barking at night when she is put into her cage any ideas to make her stop. That's a young puppy. Okay, young little puppy. Oh, it's always a challenge at this stage, isn't it? Um, they are full of energy and sometimes they don't take any regard for whether it's day or night. I think it sounds like this owner is crate training so she's locked into her cage at night which is a really common practice and I think a lot of the time it's a great thing to do it gives them routine security I think the important thing here is if they're locked into their crate at night make it somewhere that they don't feel like they're being put to be punished if that makes sense. I would normally leave the crate open all day, maybe even feed them in their crate, have their water source in their crate, make it really lovely, nice and cosy, essentially make it into their little den. So it's somewhere that they'll happily go willingly of their own accord and not be shoved into. And they feel safe. Exactly. The aim of the game is make them feel comfortable and then you're likely to have a much better night's sleep. I think it can be a challenge. One thing I would say is as long as you're sure they're safe and comfortable, I wouldn't be getting up to the barking all of the time if that makes sense Um, because sometimes they'll think oh if I bark enough they'll come and play with me so it's a fine balance the other thing is just make sure a puppy of three months old probably doesn't have a great bladder capacity at this point yet and bless them however hard they try they might really need to go to the bathroom and might not be able to hold it as well as an older dog so I think the best thing I would suggest is make sure they go out last thing at night before they're locked into their crate for a good pee and a poo so that at least that won't be a problem for them because bless them at that point they're just they just don't have the physical capability yeah. to hold things and sometimes they'll be doing their best to let you know giving a good old wolf saying I need to go out I need to go out um, so just make sure it's not that so give them plenty of opportunity to do their business before they go into the crate and then failing that it's just a matter of the dog mm. getting used to the crate yeah getting yeah. used to it but I think just try and make it so that it's associated with nice comfortable relaxing time yeah um i think sometimes if they're out all day and don't spend any time in the crate and are just locked in at night it can become almost punishment like for them yeah and that's not the aim of the game that's not how it needs to be at all i know my one of my own dogs sally um she's an older girl and she's actually still has a crate at night she's a nice big luxurious crate but she's hilarious when it gets to bedtime she'll just put herself in there she yeah, just decides yeah. it's time for bed now yeah i have i have my son has two of those gorgeous um cockapoos yes and their crate uh, trained and it's funny in the evening time it's oh, it's time for bed yeah. and they're not even very yeah. old dogs but they know themselves as the house is winding down yeah. these two dogs are winding down and uh, 
off they go. They know themselves. Yeah. They are creatures of habit, really. The, the crate training is fantastic. Yeah, it is. But I think the main thing is really just make it a rewarding yeah. experience for them, not a punishment. Yeah, but sti- yeah. stick with stick it. With and it. Dennis, it, it will pay off. Um, hi, Patricia. I have a nine-month-old Yorkie who really is a bit of a messer. I have bought him toys, but I'm getting to the stage now. I'm afraid to sit down in case I get the legs chewed off me. Finding it hard to just a boisterous mm. nine-month-old Yorkshire. Okay, right. We need to burn off some of that energy, I'm afraid. Um, When they get to this point, they're really trying to elicit a response. They're kind of going through their teenage stage when they're, let's say, in the nine nine months to just over a year phase. Um, They're active, they're comfortable in their own environment and they're testing the boundaries at this point and they have energy to burn. So I think if you're getting nipped at the heels quite a lot, they're trying to provoke a response out of you. The best response you can give if they do engage in this little bit of, let's say, aggressive play with you is to say a calm no and either, you know, put them into a separate room for 10 minutes so that they know that the play doesn't start when they do the little bit of biting. You just need to make it as boring as possible for them to gauge in this behaviour the exact thing they want when they do that kind of thing biting the heels or woofing or barking is they want you to go oh god this has happened and you jumping around yeah that's exactly the response they want so don't give it to them Um, so just calmly say no put them into a separate room somewhere really boring for 10 minutes so they know that the fun ends when they misbehave and then take them out have a really good play and try and direct that play to something let's say not necessarily aggressive play as it were so I wouldn't be doing let's say tug of war with this kind of dog at this point if it's nipping at the heels that's kind of just encouraging yeah. that behaviour maybe chasing a ball um, or going for a good long walk I think particularly in dogs this age they do have energy to burn and sometimes if that energy isn't channeled into something constructive it can go a bit awry yeah, and um, it will pass I mean, it, it's, it's, it should it's, pass but what I would say bad is it's habits important. can be formed yeah bad yeah. habits can be formed so it's best to nip this kind of behaviour in the bud and redirect the energy into something more constructive so I think lots of walks some energetic play like chasing a ball will be really good some training will be great as well so I think that's a really underrated form of activity for them they need mental stimulation as well as everything else and that's what they're trying to get when they want to provoke play Um, so I think let's say five or ten minute training sessions scattered throughout the day if that's feasible for you of sit stay lie down fetch all of the basics it does two things it gets them mentally stimulated and it also kind of lets them know right this is my pack leader you know I'm going to do what they say you're not in charge yeah. it's to try and get that through to, yeah. a, to, a, to a dog um, hi Trisha question for Jane I have two six month old kittens they've started going out at tea time and they mm-hmm. won't come back until morning is that normal they've, there's plenty of old buildings that I'm, I feel they're wandering around mm-hmm. they are by the way both neutered okay good because my of all, first thing when yeah. I was thinking oh my god you're going to have a happy surprise but it isn't they're neutered oh, my thoughts exactly yeah. the relief is good yeah. so first of all well done on getting them neutered before they go out I'd say any owners of any kittens anywhere before they go out and about make yeah. sure they're Males neutered and, and females. females absolutely yeah. both of those are really important we need to reduce the wildcat population in this country um, so well done for doing that first and foremost it can always be really difficult when you first begin to leave cats out. Um, I know I've gone through this experience a few times, particularly when I've moved house and you're kind of wondering, oh, I want to let them out to enjoy the great outdoors, but I don't want them to go too far or away for too long and not to be able to find their way back. Um, particularly if they're in a pair, sometimes they can kind of egg each other on a little bit, if that makes sense. Um, one thing I would say is try and get them to come back from food so I think are they going out after dinner time seems to be at, she said at tea time so at I'm assuming they're time. eating and then yeah. off they go I'd be inclined to let them out skites. yeah I'd let them out for a little bit before tea time so they have a bit of a hunger in their belly 
and then put the food out, get them into the habit of coming back for their food and then in for the night. And then close the door. Yeah, that'd yeah. be the best thing. Hunger is a great incentive. Yeah, because we've had a few cats yeah. this week actually have gone missing yeah. and, the, and the, yeah. the distress that it caused. caused. Oh. I mean, at the moment, you're doing fine, the cat's come back, but you'd just be you be fearful that something could happen exactly. happen to one of them. Um, hi, I've got a two, this is ja- John in Bantry. I have a two-year-old female, Jack Russell. She has a lot of hair bitten off her rear end. What would be the cause of that? Hmm. Could be a few things, to be honest. If she's physically biting it off her back end, it could be irritation or itching. Now, I think the the real biggies are if she's just biting at her backside, it might be something back at that end. So the most common thing by far will be, let's say, an irritation or overfilling of the, the bottom glands, the anal glands. Um, so that can sometimes be quite an irritation. They have to be squeezed and emptied and the smell exactly. is absolutely disgusting oh, by all accounts. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, so I think just making sure that that's not a problem, that'll involve a visit to your vet so that they can check that out for you. It may or may not be the case, but it's not something to be missed because it can be quite an irritation. It can be quite sore. And God, God forbid, if they are infected, it can become quite a problem. Mm. I suppose there are other causes of itching and biting at the back end um, whether they be parasites common things are common so fleas yeah, mites, it is a mice. normal so it's an indication no, that something's definitely wrong definitely something wrong and yeah. I think particularly biting at the back end or on the back I suppose that some parasites have different distributions we often find fleas around on the back and over the back end so that would be a really common place to see them biting and itching at as well I think either way visit your vet they'll check out the area of boldness and itching and biting and guide you down the best path. I'm I'm interested in your answer to this one from Eileen. Hi Patricia, could you ask Jane, I have a male palm, Mm -hmm. two years old, should I get him neutered? Yes. You say yes without hesitation? Without hesitation, yeah. Um, I think the only caveat to that is if you have a dog that's very, let's say, nervous aggressive so a very very timid dog altogether sometimes we don't go down the route of castration they will be few and far between Jeep and, was why, out of and why wouldn't you in those dogs because I suppose testosterone which I suppose helps. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a little bit of bravery for them now 99% of dogs do not need that extra bravery so it doesn't okay. become a factor for them the occasional dog maybe one or two in a hundred I might suggest mm, maybe they need a little bit, bit of behavioural help before we go down the route of castration because I don't want to take that little bit of bravery away from them if they're really struggling with being but for every regular. other dog every other dog absolutely yes you want to avoid any problems with unwanted pregnancy in the local dogs that's one thing okay. but on a personal level they tend to wander less because they're not out looking for the ladies and from health benefit point of view they can't get testicular cancer because the testicles aren't there and that's a biggie in older dogs but also prostate disease the chance of prostate disease is massively reduced if you have castrated them at a young age so that's a really important thing to do so it has great health benefits it has the benefit of them roaming less we know statistically entire male dogs are more likely to be killed on the road in road traffic accidents than you well, know. there's yeah, lots, yeah. Of, lots of evidence lots of evidence okay. so I would say yes without the way hesitation to go. off you go and uh, your dog will thank you for it Mm-hmm. one day uh, we leave it there thank you for that uh, Jane have a lovely week and we'll chat again to Jane next week that is Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket and that is part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group and that's where we have to wrap it up for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow for the final one of the week at 10 o'clock hope you can join us and until then um, have a great uh, Thursday I'm Patricia 
Patricia Messenger. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103.